HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by Total Food Service. Total Food Service delivers the restaurant and food service industry's most comprehensive package of news and information. Offered in print and digitally on TotalFood.com, you'll receive the latest on the new normal. Welcome to Soul by Todd Richards. On this podcast, I focus on lifting up Black voices in the hospitality industry and around the world, while interviewing chefs from all over the South. The soul of Southern food goes deep. My guests and I dig in as we share stories, recipes, thoughts on current events, and lifelong lessons. this episode of Soul by Todd Richards, I have uh, one of my closest and dearest friends, my business partner in our new venture, Lake and Oak Neighborhood Barbecue, as well as a really uh, talented chef, uh, Joshua Lee. And let me just give you guys a quick background on Josh. Josh uh, is an Atlanta native um, that has worked at some of the greatest places in Atlanta, chicken and beer. Uh, he was there with me at, in the airport, of course, with Super Rica, with Ford Fry. But he also has traveled to Boston, uh, down in Florida as well. And I'm just really happy to have him in part of the first episodes of Soul uh, on HRN to have Josh with me on the show. So, Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Really glad to be here. So as uh, you are an Atlanta native, I got here in 92, 93, and it was about 1.6 million people here. And now what is it, about 6 million um, people uh, roughly in in Atlanta metro area. How is it growing up here to see this boom of people coming into your city? Honestly, it's been a a great change uh, culturally for, for us in Atlanta. You know, because it's a mix of uh, you have a northern culture, a west coast, and, and even the, the south and the Florida area. So it's been a, a great, like, mix of, of, of people all together in one melting pot. And you grew up uh, in, in really in the city of Atlanta, right? Over in East Atlanta area, not too far from uh, Moreland Avenue. Is that is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm originally born and raised in East Atlanta and, and went to uh, school uh, as a child uh, in the East Atlanta area and the Atlanta public school system. Um, it, it's been phenomenal. And, and you've seen uh, Atlanta change. Uh, you've, seen, you've seen the Braves win and, and, and now uh, losing. Uh, you see the, the, the break, uh, uh, the Falcons blowing, you know, uh, uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, you see the Hawks trade, Dominique Wilkins. But from a food perspective, um, really, how has Atlanta changed uh, in its food culture since maybe the time I arrived in the 90s? You know, one of the great things about the, the food culture here in Atlanta, uh, at what the trend has been is is we have, as as Atlanta natives, we've stopped eating out more of your uh, restaurant fast food chains, and we're eating more locally. Um, and, and it's introducing them to a lot of great chefs, a lot of great different foods that we weren't trying as when I was growing up as a kid, you know. Uh, it, it, I didn't know all the different types of mushrooms and, and, and how to eat oysters or, or, or eating smoked pork chops. So it, it's changed a lot culturally for, for us and dynamically. You know, um, one thing that you and I both talk about a lot about uh, Atlanta is that um, on any given night, you can see so many different shades and hues of people come to not only Lake and Oak, but they go to any restaurant that we've, we've been in. And it seems like this city, uh, even though it's still in the South, has embraced diversity in a different manner than the rest of the country. Uh, have you seen that growth be a progressive thing or all of a sudden thing, or is it just something that slowly has built uh, across a period of time? It's something that's, that's built, honestly, uh, across a period of time. Um, and it's a great build. You know, it's something that, that probably should have happened maybe five to 10 years ago. Uh, but what did I, I think as a whole, I think we all are accepting the change and, and working with the change. And we all are dealing with it and growing together as one. You know, uh, in places like New York, Chicago, the Chicago has a, a storied uh, Chinatown, just like New York or San Francisco, L.A., uh, you, you know, where Italian town is or Greek town is, uh, speaking about Chicago, because that's where I'm from. But in Atlanta, you know, we have uh, Buford Highway, which is supposed to be a, a, a Asian-centered uh, area, but we're really not known for having those specific types of, of towns. Um, do you think that's more because of the way neighborhoods are constructed here or because of of just the way that Southern food culture just uh, uh, is just so prevalent in the city of Atlanta? I, I, I definitely think that, that the, the culture is, is prevalent through Atlanta. Um, it, me as growing up, I, I think as an African-American youngster back then, we didn't have the resources or revenue to, to get our ideas or, or push our dreams into reality as we do now and the way the city is striving for African-Americans. And as far as neighborhoods go, uh, we're in East Lake Oakhurst. Um, and if people don't know, uh, what was the name of that area used to be uh, uh, called, uh, Josh, the area in which we're in, Little uh, Saigon or Viet, uh, Vietnam? What was it called? Yeah, in the, yeah Little, uh, little Little Vietnam back in the day when I was growing up, you know, you had East Lake Meadows, um, you had the the Oakers and 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 East Lake area. Um, it was very rough as a child, me growing up and watching it, and now as an adult and, and how it's it's changed tremendously, and it's changed for the better for the neighborhood and for the for everyone that lives in it. You know, being African-American uh, in, in Atlanta and growing up and you've seen the change, 
But in, you know, in this neighborhood, the, the change is profound as, as well from it being called something, um, and it was not a, a nice term that they were calling it, Louis Vietnam. They were actually talking about it as a war zone. And now to have East Lake Golf Course, you know, one of the story golf courses in the world here, uh, of course, we're there, and you see other restaurants around us. You know, what is going to ensure that the neighborhood does not lose its central point or is overrun by gentrification? Well, I, I, I think one of the main things that it doesn't lose its central point due is the, the other restaurants and, and the other establishments in the neighborhood that we continue to push for you know the, the the beautification of it and we we keep a lot of the riffraff out um you know it, the, the cousins group they came in they bought that that whole area the whole zip code and and they they spent a lot and invested a lot to make it better um you know we we where our property sits it's a great group that owns it blue chip um, pizza they own it and they they spent millions in in assuring that 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 corner that we're on a second and Hosea that stays a prominent and very strong striving four corners. Let's expand uh, out of Atlanta just uh, just a little bit. Um, let's talk about Georgia. And, you know, everyone has North Carolina. They're famous for something. Uh, South Carolina, maybe not so much. They definitely get into Tennessee with Nashville hot chicken. Uh, Memphis, of course, is barbecue uh, also in that in that region. But what is Georgia? What is Georgia's cuisine? Because people, I don't think people realize how long of a state that Georgia is. No, definitely, definitely. I, I would say that the Georgia cuisine is, is true down south cooking. You know, we're, we're, we're all about, we use pork, we use uh, we, we we love all different types of vegetables. We love collards. You can't you can go wrong with collard <laughs> right. greens, you know. So we we love collards. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a melting pot of some of the north and some of the south all mixed together. You know, and, and that's pretty much Georgia's cuisine. I mean, I think one of our our core values, even with Lake and Oak, is defining the Georgia barbecue. What is it? Well, you know, there's a lot of great uh, pitmasters that come out of Georgia. You know, some and some of them are coming into to that area, and I just find it um, amazing, though, how no one is really pulling uh, things from the coast up, you know, into that barbecue culture. And again, that shows the vastness of the state of Georgia. You know, from Savannah and Tybee Island, those places down there, all the way up back to to Atlanta. There's a lot of things in between. But a state that's known for peaches, and peaches is not the number one crop there. It's just, it's actually blueberries. How do we, um, as chefs, or how do you interpret us as chefs? using the vegetables uh, from the regions. And naturally you said collard greens, but there's so many other vast vegetables that we grow here. No, definitely, definitely. I, 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 I honestly think, uh, you know, throughout my career, I, I pulled a lot of different uh, crops and, and different vegetables and fruit and, and throughout that, that grows in Georgia. And yes, peaches happen to be one, you know. You can you do, peaches are so versatile with, with things with different dishes. Uh, you know, we're, we're known for growing pecans here. You know, you go down to South Georgia and Tipton, we, we, we have all type of pecan farms. And, and you know, you, you take different things and different elements from different areas and you combine as one. It, it, you can make a very delicious and phenomenal dish with them. So, so let's get more in depth into who, who you are. And really, I want the listeners to be able to walk away with a sense that 
they know you. So let's go back uh, a little bit. Just growing up in, in Atlanta, uh, and you didn't start in culinary, did you? No, I did not start in culinary. No, I, I, I uh, was self-taught. Uh, I've worked on a lot of phenomenal, great chefs, and, and I had a, a lot of great mentors that continued to push and, and drive me to be, uh, I would say, what I am or who I am today. Uh, it, it, and it's a story that, that honestly... That, that has to be told, you know. I, I, I worked up under yourself. I, I've worked up under, uh, you know, a lot of great owners that, that, that just pushed me. Um, I'm self-taught and, and continue to learn every single day, every day. So let's talk about being self-taught because, you know, I, I'm self-taught uh, also. And I believe a lot of philosophies are the same, uh, even though that we learned on, on our own. But, you know, you've seen a lot of cooks that have come out of culinary school, um, and and your leadership style it uh, really reminds me of myself in the sense that self-taught people find the best way of, of getting things done. Uh, how is it that you instilled your philosophy that maybe you learned from your parents into your leadership style to run some of the best kitchens in the country? Well, the, I, I think one of the one of the biggest things is you, you, you can't give up. You have to continue to push and, 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 and believe in your team and believe in your people. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer and I say it all the time. I'm no one without my staff. You know, I'm, I'm just a name. They're 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 my supporting cast that, that helps take my vision and push it to the next level. Uh, I, 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 I'm a strong believer of being a very hands on leader. A teacher, I'm sorry, and, and and I work side by side with each and every individual. I mean, you can catch me some days now in my own restaurant washing dishes back with the steward team, you know, because ultimately I, I want everyone to know that I'm still the same person day in and day out. You know, I can go back and I can fall back and end up doing prep, or I can be a dishwasher, or I can be a cook, you know, but I have to continue to to push my team to to that helps push me. You know, cooking uh, and running restaurants is a lot of sacrifice. And, and certainly, uh, it seems like the, the more you own or the more you uh, are responsible for, those days get longer and longer. Uh, some days I know we look at each other like we're crazy, you know, for being here 16, 17 hours. But then when the guests come, we have all the rewards uh, from it. But I want to talk about family a little bit because I know you well enough to know that your family is very important to you. And I see it in the way you reflect on the way you cook uh, for our guests. You treat them as family as well. Did you learn that from your mom, your dad? Where did, where did that, that sense of family come from? Honestly, the, the, the sense of family came from my house and still as a child from my grandmother and still to this day, you know, uh, right before we, we, we started this this podcast, I was reading the email from my grandmother about spending family time. You know, it was instilled through my grandparents and, and, and it carried over through my mother, um, um, assuring that, you know, we are a family. We stick together, you know, and we do things together. And, and, and I try to carry that in my day to day operations, even inside my restaurants. Um, you know, it, it's very important that family without family, it, that is the backbone to who I am. I, I met a lot of your family. Uh, you know, me and your son Isaac are our best buddies. You know, uh, we we have a great time uh, talking to to each other. As my my sons are are much older than him uh, already, and I see you know the the systems of 
ownership, not only you have in the, in the restaurant, but the way you uh, instill things in, in your kids. And I met your mom, of course, too, and I believe that she's instilled some of those same things into you. How does that translate um, into owning and, and operating a business? Because a lot of times when we raise our kids, we have to discipline them, even though we love them. Uh, and with our employees, we love our employees, but sometimes we have to discipline them too. How did that fairness, where did that fairness uh, or sense of fairness that you have in dealing with employees come from in your family? Um, it, 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 honestly, I, I, I would say that it comes to my day-to-day operation with uh, with running my with my children now. You know, I, with my employees and my staff that 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 works for us at the restaurant, it, it, we are a family. You know, and at, at times you do have to discipline, you do have to teach, and that that's what it's all about as a leader. You know, it, you you have to break it down and show, you know, how. The systems are important, and why it, you 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 started at A and how you got to Z um, it is very important. And keeping the family oriented, and keeping letting each individual know how much you they truly mean to you, and, and how they are part of your family as well. I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I, I probably spend more time with with my staff in the, inside the restaurants than I do probably at home. We're going to take a short break here. We'll be right back with Josh Lee. You're listening to Soul by Todd Richards. This episode is presented by Total Food Service. Total Food Service delivers the restaurant and food service industry's most comprehensive package of news and information. From day one of the COVID-19 crisis to today, the focus of Total Food Service has been to listen to the needs of their restaurant and food service readers. They were stunned by the endless stream of heartwarming stories. Restaurants everywhere were stepping up to feed hospitality workers and first responders while nimbly converting to takeout and delivery options. Total Food Service coverage has now moved to the planning forward stage. Offered in print and digitally at totalfood.com, you'll receive the latest on the new normal. Need answers and solutions? Find them at TotalFood.com. We're back with Joshua Lee uh, from Atlanta, my business partner in Lake and Oak Neighborhood Barbecue, as well as other ventures that we're working on now. I will want to ask Josh another question about leadership. Uh, and we're talking about leadership at this point right now because I see a lot of leadership qualities in Josh that I, we hope that we instill in our staff to move forward. And one thing that uh, I always ask Josh about is numbers and how do we lead um, or make restaurants successful with numbers. And Josh is a whiz with numbers. So he beats up more purveyors than I've ever seen before. Any purchasing director of a hotel would be proud of what he does. So, Josh, just you know, ask, answer this question for me. Why is owning a restaurant and knowing your numbers one of the most important aspects of operating a business? You know, uh, it, one, of, one, of, one of my good mentors and my own business partners sat down and told me once, you know, knowing the numbers and knowing the operation of the system and how the systems actually work and run. Uh, will get you a lot further than actually knowing how to cook. Uh, 
you know, if you know the numbers and you know how the system works and runs and you know when you're being screwed over, jerked over by a purveyor or, or, or any anyone inside this, inside your, your own home, you know, if you know that, it's easy to fix it and it's easy, it's easy to, to, to correct all the issues. You know, without knowing that, you're really lost in, in, in this industry right now. You you have to understand the numbers and that and how each one works and, and, and what's the importance of them. Certainly, um, uh, you know, in our own operation, we go through numbers extensively. Uh, day in, day out, we go through numbers, sometimes hourly. Uh, uh, we, we look at things to make sure that the business is operating at its optimum level. Also, on the other side uh, of operating business is recipes and, and why recipes are so important to an operation. And I really want people to, to get a sense of, of, of what it takes to open and operate a restaurant in this part of the show. Because I think that a lot of times people have hopes, uh, dreams and wishes, but they don't necessarily have the insight to what it takes. So, so give me some ideas of, of recipe development or menu development and what it takes in order to put a successful menu out to the public. Um, well, one, it starts with your, 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 your good vendors and, and good food representatives, you know, that, that represents you and represents your brand and who you are. Um, so it, it starts there with shopping locally uh, with local farmers and making sure that you're getting product that's in season. Um then, you, I mean, you, you write a menu and you, and you cost it out. You have to break it down. And you have to cost it out. So, you know, and, and as you cost and you have to realize, is it worth me putting it in or is it worth me waiting until it actually comes into season so that the, the restaurant itself can be profitable? Uh, and that this actual dish is not taking up majority of our food costs. You know, that, that's the importance of, of, of dialing into the, the menu and costing things and, and, and going through all of the physical numbers and truly understanding them. A lot of people get into this business, as you know, for fame. They want to be famous or perceived as be famous or being famous. Uh, and they don't understand about the work that goes involved. And, you know, just touch on just briefly here. Uh, what is a typical day like for you in the restaurant from start time to wee hours of the night? <laughs> wow. All right. So start time. Usually, you know, I, I, I start my day roughly about 630 in the morning. And I, I wake up reading emails, going through, seeing if there's any problems that I'm walking into before I even get out of the, and, and, and start get out and even leaving the house. Um, you know, I typically get to the restaurant about 730, 8 o'clock, um, go through a system check, check all of making sure that we have all the products and deliveries should start rolling in around about 839 um, checking each delivery making sure everything is at the proper temperature and the right products that are coming in and from there you know we I get with the production and we go over what all needs to be done to to make sure that we, we are set for success uh, for, for dinner service or for lunch service um, you know it, it's now I'm, I'm physically on the line with, with the staff and we're cooking together, we're laughing, we're having a good time, as well as dealing with the day-to-day -day issues of being a, a father, a husband, uh, you know, and, and as a restaurant owner, you know, sometimes me and you, we look at each other and we have to sit down and figure something out, even with, with a POS system or a credit card merchant went down or, you know, or just a guest issue that we have to address right then and at that moment, even while still cooking. Um, 
you know, I try my best to get out and, and interact with guests and speak to guests, even during COVID. But, you know, some things you, you can't do as you normally would have done uh, via COVID. But, you know, I, I try my best to be very social and visible where people can see. Um, we go through the day-to-day operations. When dinner's over, shut the restaurant down. We go over numbers, sit down with the general manager. We, we look at labor. We see where we are on food costs and, and, and look at payroll, glance over payroll for, for that day and see if there is any changes that we can either do better or, or any changes that, that we need to make right now on the fly to correct um, so that it doesn't happen again. Um, from that point, I, I get home and I think we may have myself and you, we may have another conversation on something we probably talked about ending our day. That, you know, I, I may have thought about driving home or you may have thought about driving home. And then there's a whole nother conversation for 20, 30 minutes as our, our, our wives are screaming like, hey, you home now. <laughs> right. And, you know, so that that's pretty much sums that day for me. And that's roughly six days a week. You know, for me, I, I'm not in it for fame. I'm in it to create delicious foods and give opportunity to others. You know, uh, we both made the commitment that this restaurant has to be successful and all our restaurants will have to be successful because we will not be roommates uh, if our wives put us out. So, <laughs> you know, that can never that can never happen. So we have to continue to make sure that those things are are, are instilled and are definitely done uh, properly. And so we can get home at a reasonable time as as well. Let's let's talk about, you know, uh, we got a few more minutes here. Let's just talk about the future of, of food. And, and really, I want to focus on the future of, of black food. And, and there was a article that came out, I believe, sometime earlier this year. Um, it was from a, a forum of a, a very far right wing forum and saying that African-Americans are only minorities in the United States. And there were a lot of people um, and, were, and basically asking, what are we complaining about? And, you know, there is, you know, even though things from that section seems to be outrageous and everything, there is some truth in that, that if you go to Africa, you know, there's a billion people there. Uh, go to uh, Brazil or South America or every other place in the world. There's a lot of Afroculture people there. But in the United States, we're still struggling with what our Afrocentric food is. You know, we have soul food, but soul food gets a bad rap, even though that really uh, it's not as fattening as people think it is. Uh, It's not meat focused because meat is expensive. But really, what is the future of Afro food uh, in, in the United States and maybe in the world? You know, one of one of the biggest things with Afro, with the the, the Afro food and, and the way the direction that it's going right now, it's going in a, in a positive direction as forward. You know, you can take some of the same things and same dishes, such as I can remember as as when reading it as a child and, and growing up, how no one wanted to cook oxtails or use oxtails and, and things. And as African Americans, we took oxtails, and now it's probably one of the most Delicious dishes that you can eat from around the world, and one of you the know, most expensive dishes too. Used to be ninety nine cent a pound. Now it's six. What, it's like a flat iron steak, right? 
Right, right. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. And I, and I, I mean, with it, it's it's going in, in a positive direction. It's a, it's a lot of things that us as African American chefs uh, across the United States and world, we're being more. We're pushing the limits on some of the things, you know, we're going a little bit further than just putting, I keep going to college because I love them, but you just go to college and put them in a pot and let them soak. What we're taking, we're frying it, we're sauteing it, we're slapping a whole leaf on the grill and we're rolling it. So it's a lot of different things that you can do with it. And I think we as African-Americans and chefs, we're pushing it and we're being more uh, flamboyant with it, you know, with, with all the dishes. You can take different fish and, and that you would see that grows only here or there, and we're, we're taking them, we're putting them in restaurants, and we're serving it, and it's delicious food across. You know, delicious food has always been the forefront of everything that um, I've done, that you've done, and now that we're doing collectively. Um, but one thing I really want people to get a sense uh, from you before we wrap up here is what is your delicious food? What is my delicious food? My delicious food, honestly, it, it, it's something that which each and every dish I create or, or put thought into, I take the time and I actually put love into it. I, 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 I wake up every day and I actually love what I do. I will not put a dish out. I will not serve it in my restaurant or any other restaurant that I've been a second chef over if it wasn't delicious, if if the love and care wasn't put into it. Um, you know, it, it has to be that way. You know, it, the, the, it's not a subpar. It's only one way. And and that's the, the my clear focus of delicious foods. I mean, you know, I, I, I take... Each day, even in Lake and Oak, I, you know, I, I sit and I take just for mac and cheese. It takes me roughly about an hour, hour and a half just to actually get the cheese sauce correct to his everyday liking. So not just me liking it because I can like it, but will my customers and consumers, will they enjoy it just as well? Will they have that same memory that I had when I taste it in their mindsets as well? Memories are, uh, especially food memories, uh, really bring about to, uh, tradition. Uh, I always say that food is a type of religion of its own. And by creating memories, uh, we enliven the spirit and, of course, the soul of everyone who tastes delicious food. Josh, where can they find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Chef Joshua Lee. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Joshua Lee. And you can find me at Lake and Oak. Seven days, six days a week. Uh, I'm glad you corrected that. Not said seven. I thought we were, we were closed the day. You know, I was like, oh, I didn't get the memo on that way. Oh, that's that's, that's crazy. I, I, I again, I thank you, my friend, uh, my brother, my colleague, uh, my business partner, for for joining us on this episode of Soul by Todd Richards. I look forward to seeing you probably tomorrow morning and probably speaking with you in the next five minutes after we finish this podcast. (laughs) Talk to everyone soon. Thank you very much. Soul by Todd Richards is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of Food World's most innovative community? Subscribe to shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.